Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's a sign of trouble when the mayor-elect of a city like Chicago finds it necessary to issue a statement reminding the public that we should not demonize young people in the city. It may be even more problematic when there are people criticizing that statement, something that should be non-controversial. But here we are. This weekend, we're going to talk about youth, public safety, and equity with some people who are carrying on some vital conversations about all three. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. This weekend, the National Group Journey for Justice Alliance has scheduled more than three dozen town halls in cities across the country. They want to get public officials behind what they call a comprehensive quality of life agenda for black, brown, indigenous, and working class communities. But you can't improve communities much if the young people aren't developing the right ways as well. But we've seen Rowdy crowds of youths descending on downtown in the last weekends, and some were bent on mayhem. We're going to discuss how we've gotten to this point and how we get out of it and the role that equity can play. My guests include G2 Brown, National Director of the Journey for Justice Alliance, Shannon Bennett, Executive Director of the Kenwood Oakland Community Organization, and Asada Lewis, an education consultant and restorative uh, justice trainer for Good Kids Mad City. And I thank all three of you for uh, being with me. We are conducting this uh, discussion via Zoom conferencing. Uh, there's been a lot of attention on youth violence these days, but I want to first talk about the provocatively named, I think, Equity or Else Quality of Life platform, uh, G2 Brown. This is a uh, Journey for Justice uh, initiative. What's on that platform? Yes, sir. So thank you for having us this morning. And the platform was developed by grassroots organizations around the country. We reached out to groups across issue uh, because often because of how philanthropy guides organizing, folks work on their singular issues, right? And so they may work on housing, youth, health care, even within education, people work within their own silos, testing, you know, uh, school to prison pipeline, stopping school closings. And so a lot of our work has been to try to break those silos and say that we're stronger together. Um, but we're, we're fighting the same wolf, which is structural racism, and it affects everything. 
and one of the things that never happens is that people don't go into our communities and ask our young people, how can this world be better for you? And do it with respect and mean and, and mean it. Or go to parents in our communities that are low income and say, you know, what should housing look like? What should healthcare look like? And what, what happens in our communities, Craig, is that people, first, most of the institutions in our communities are ran by someone else. And we understand that in the history of Black people, that has not been a constant. That has been something that, is, that has happened over the last 25 to 30 years. But then also they run those, those institutions based on their opinions of us, not based off our lived, our, our true realities and our lived experiences. So the, the Equity or Else Quality of Life platform uh, was conducted through over 200 listening projects uh, and town hall meetings across the country asking that very question, how has racism impacted you uh, in this particular area and what's your vision for change? Um, and then we came together in Baltimore last May and imagine going into different issue rooms and reaching consensus with all this data that you've gotten from all these meetings. And, and then we, we publicly released the platform uh, in September, we met with young people. We met with 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 parents. We met with seniors. We met with uh, folks that worked on affordable housing, uh, uh, food production and delivery systems, education, uh, uh, economic development, environmental justice, and we realized that this platform that we put together, you know, folks got excited about it because it was it was actually it was aspirational, and it's and it's based off really what we need. Not what, so, what someone wants to give us, but what we need. That's why we say equity or else. And the or else, because a lot of people are concerned about that. The or <laughs> else is simply, is simply saying, if we don't have equity, then we have fascism. If, 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 if we have state-sponsored sabotage of our lives, if we don't have equity, because the institutions that we're fighting for, most of white America takes for granted. Most of white America don't, does not have to deal with a liquor store as opposed to a grocery store, right? Uh, they don't have to deal with underfunded, under-resourced schools, um, housing that, that you cannot afford to live in. So you have to work two and three jobs. We, we often say two or three pieces of a job instead of having you know, a career. Um, police that view your children as criminals uh, and treat them as such. So I think uh, the platform is really rooted and, and our real experiences and their, their, their amazing uh, recommendations in there, like rent control as a federal anti-gentrification strategy, um, uh, mandate, you know, uh, employment for 16 to 24 year olds, by offering tax breaks to local businesses that hire young people. These are things that have come from the ground, um, ending zero tolerance policies and making restorative justice and leadership development uh, for young people a staple in, in, a, in America's schools. Um, so there's several uh, recommendations that, that really speak to uh, what uh, moving towards equity in, in, in our lives every day. And uh, Shannon Bennett, I know this is, uh, these are kinds of things that you are concerned with in, in COCO. Um, and I also know that this platform is being tailored to the different locales, but an argument you're gonna hear from people in power is going to be that in this post-pandemic recovery period, you know, a lot of the things that you're talking about mean money. 
and that there's not enough money to do everything for everybody. What do you say when you get those kinds of arguments, uh, and Ben? Uh, I'll just say lies, the lies they tell. First of all, we know that when you look at priorities, when you do a budget, it's a moral document and it tells what you prioritize. So if we have spent um, hundreds of millions of dollars on um, police um, corruption and um, abuse, that's where money goes. If we also have been the laughing stock of the country as Crook County, as I call it, of corruption of politicians, that's where money goes. If we look at the billion, the, the billion dollar budget of the Chicago Police Department, and when people say defund, we're not, you know, everybody's not saying defund, but people are saying re redirect some of those resources. That's where the money goes. So it's a priority. Um, I don't believe that because we know how budgets work. One of the things that I will say is that part of what we struggle with as a community is that many times resources have never came to our communities. So historical disinvestment and, and under development in our communities. So we're, that's why GC is talking about equity. We're talking about putting situations and giving us, not giving, but us earning and making ourselves self-determining what we need. So none of all of the things that equity or else is talking about is not talking about a government handout nor welfare reform. So who did, who got the most um, welfare other than the corporate welfare um, when the crash happened in 08? So, you know, it's all in how people look at it. But I'll just get down to the root of where Coco stands on these issues. Coco is one of the oldest, if not the oldest, Black organization in the city of Chicago and the country. We have been at the forefront of challenging the powers that be and not waiting on the powers that be. We have been very forthright in stating that Black folk are self-determining, need to continue to be self-determining, and that we should build the futures that we want. So. A lot of what pushback you hear about groups like um, groups that we are talking about, it's because of just that we're self-determining and we have not settled for the narrative that's out there by usually white folk, I'm gonna be clear, and black folk who have sold their souls. So I, I, need, I need to be really clear on that piece is that the narratives that they talk about our young people in and that's out there for the most part are from others. I'm going to be real clear when I say to others. We have folk in our communities that are confused and may say things like lock them up and talk about stuff that happened, you know, back in the day. But we have a new energy in this country, I think, and in this city that is a new generation of folk that are not, that are unapologetically stating what we want and moving to build it. So it's one thing to be a talking head, but most of the folk, are on the other side where they have not put in the sweat equity historically to be in the interest of black folk in particular. Mm. So that's what I'm speaking for right now, historically. So if you look at the folk who were quote unquote our leaders who stood up and, and endorsed the other candidate. Mm -hmm. You look at those folks' history, you look at their record, many of mm. those folks were acting in self-interest throughout their careers. So this was the mm. So we have to be clear you talk self-determination as a black person in this country, you got issues coming from the right, the left, from in your house, from everywhere, but you just stay on that grind because you That's know what you need, point. know what you want. We are the people most impacted by black folk issues. Black folks should speak 
to what should happen to black folks. So that's that's one way to frame it. Mm. Okay, uh, uh, Craig, can I add something to that really quick? Yes, go ahead, and then I'm, and then don't worry, Asado, we're coming to you too. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, Asado, we got you. I just, I just, Mr. Bennett just he sparked something in me. The very, you know, uh, looking at the looking at the conduct of young people and just saying it's bad parenting and lock them up. That's the status quo. Now, the the status quo is underfunding schools, closing schools, and acting like that's not impacting young people's daily reality. It's not impacting whether they go to school or not. It's not impacting the quality of education in their school. And then looking up and being confused, suddenly confused about the results. And you know, many of the people who, who carry that status quo were silent, Craig, silent when they were shutting down black schools in this country. And, and I was at those school closing hearings where mothers were in tears and they were passing out and they were saying, please don't close my school. And elected officials, black, white, brown, were silent as they, as, as they ravaged our young people. As young people walked out of school, young people organized everything they could and they looked to their supposed leaders and they were tumbleweed. But we stood with those young people. And as Mr. Bennett said, unapologetically said that, no, you're not going to just destroy our education institutions. As a matter of fact, we developed an entirely different education model called sustainable community schools and ended up beating one of the most powerful Democrats in the country, Rahm Emanuel, to save Diet High School which laid the groundwork for sustainable community schools across the country. So we are the leaders we've been waiting for. This is not a time for cowering. This is not a time for shuffling and, 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 and just using the same old tired rhetoric about locking young people up. We did that during the crack epidemic. Where did that get us? Where did that get us? It's a time for courage and vision. We have to get to the root causes of why we're seeing what we're seeing. And you get to those root causes by actually talking to young people, by talking to people in our communities and not making policy based off your opinion. An opinion is just what you think. It's not fact, right? And, and But we've, we've done that to our communities too often. So I just wanted to add that piece. Thank you. Understood. And so let's talk to somebody who's young, or at least much younger than us, because uh, <laughs> I've known you two for, for years. Uh, Asada Lewis, uh, let's talk about some of the primary concerns for young people that are embodied in this platform, but also what you're seeing out in the neighborhoods. Yeah, for sure. Um, and thank you again for having me. And I've really enjoyed hearing everybody's perspective. And I wholeheartedly agree with everything that's been said. Um, I would take it even a step further than just listening to young people and say we need to bring young people to the table and give them positions of power. Right. That means that they need to be actively um, part of the decision making. They need to be actively part of the policies that are being made. Um, too often, I feel like, especially when I was young, because you talk about the school closings, I was, you know, maybe 15, 16 when all of that was happening, right? And so when we think about all of those things that were happening, the biggest thing was they were listening to us, but they weren't implementing anything that we were saying, right? And so for me, now that I'm much older, a mom and um, a person that really 
you know, empowers young people, um, I think it's so, so important to bring young people to the table, right? Um, I think one of the biggest reasons why young people, you know, feel so angry um, is because they've been so isolated. I don't even think we got to the, the, to the point of talking about what the pandemic did to young people, right? There, there were years of isolation and, and not knowing how to connect with people or even knowing what it, what it means to connect with people. Um, not to mention what the environment around our neighborhoods make you feel, right? It's bigger than just like how it looks. It's also about the feeling, right? It feels depressing. It feels filled with, with death um, and a lack of joy, right? So how can we begin to bring joy back to our communities? How can we begin to bring beauty back to our communities? How can we begin to bring smiles back to our community, right? And people truly feeling um, empowered to be in their own communities, um, but also not be demonized for wanting to go downtown. <laughs> like that, it's ridiculous. Like I remember when I was 15, 16, downtown was the place to be, especially if you didn't have no money, especially if you didn't have, you know, you go downtown and you see all the access, all of these great, beautiful things, and you want to experience that. You want a piece of that. Um, and so I think it's, it's really disheartening to hear the rhetoric um, and the dynamic around the way people view young people, um, because it's almost as if they're disconnected from them. So how can we begin to bring some intergenerational healing um, amongst all of us? Um, because there's a lot of healing that needs to happen amongst our generations, all of them. And we're going to talk about that exclusively uh, in just a second. You are listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. We're talking about youth and public safety and equity. My guests are G2 Brown, National Director of the Journey for, Journey for Justice Alliance, Shannon Bennett, Executive Director of the Kenwood Oakland Community Organization, and Asada Lewis, who is a restorative justice trainer and other things with Good Kids Mad City, a group that's been very much in the center of uh, of all of this. Um, and let's talk about what would constitute equity when it comes to dealing with young people. I think Asada very eloquently uh, talked a lot about that, but yes, police and the authorities need to treat young people with more respect and to acknowledge that they should come down. But let's face it, we also have some young people coming downtown specifically to do mayhem. Uh, and I mean, you know, jumping on cars and, and beating up people is not coming downtown to have a good time. So how do we deal with that dichotomy where you have people who legitimately want to come downtown and enjoy downtown and frankly, even in their neighborhoods and those people who are bringing guns and, you know, I, and, and causing trouble. Shannon Bennett. I'll start with this quick. How much money does the city of Chicago pay for cleanup after Lollapalooza? Mic drop. See, they're not demonized. They're not talking about the exact same behavior. It's, it's even more in filled with drugs, but those children are mostly white. So that's one thing that, again, perspective. Who, how do white young people's behavior, how is it viewed versus black and Latinx? So get off of that crap. Is their behavior of jumping on cars and vandalizing and attacking people acceptable? No. So nobody is saying that. 
But to just couch all of the activity in that, the majority of those young people are just downtown. They go down to have fun. They go down with their groups of friends. Now, what we need to look at is why do they venture downtown? Why for generations? Since I was young, and that's been a minute, did I get on the green line leaving the west side of Chicago to go down to the Woods Theater, go down to the different places, the arcades back in the day? Because most of those things were not in our neighborhoods. So when you got elected officials who had sat on their thrones and, and eaten at the trough on behalf of our people, I'm going to walk out, guys, I know it's loud. And they have gotten away with disinvestments and not doing their jobs. So that's why the neighborhoods are like they are. But I would go another step and I would just say this. If our young people were treated and had the resources as you have in Winnetka, Winnetka or you have in Evanston, Oak Park, then a lot of the behavior and a lot of the attraction to downtown would be lessened. But they have a right to be in that space. Right now, today, this weekend, we have to look at historical disinvestment historical racism. We have to talk about the abuses that black folk who don't have a backbone took under Mayor Daley. Let's talk about it. How in the hell did Daley get away with disinvesting the neighborhoods and telling you when you can build affordable housing after they tore down public housing? So it's really clear why we're in this situation. So what we have been doing for decades is building and structuring institutions through leadership development. So Asada eloquently said it, youth have to be in leadership roles, not tokenism, not talking to after the fact. Anything about youth for youth has to be through youth. That's where we are definitely, um, that's the mission of COCO, Journey to Justice, and I dare say, uh, Good Kids Mad City. So that's what's happening. There's the disruption happening in this country. And, and the, the, peop, the powers that be don't like it. It's really time for some people to step aside. Asada Lewis, let's, let's hear from you on this too. Absolutely. I feel like, yes, Mr. Benny, you eloquently explained it as well. Um, but I wanna address a few more points, right? We know that hurt people hurt people. That's just the fact, right? Unfortunately, in our communities, there are a lot of young people with a lot of hurt a lot of residual anger, a lot of pain, um, and there's not really healthy outlets to express it all of the time, right? One of the things that's super important to, you know, Good Kids Mad City has been our Peace Book Ordinance that we've been trying to pass for over two years because it addresses some of those issues, right? It not only um, offers a structure and an umbrella for which all of our organizations can work through and receive funding to support each other and to support our communities, but it also has an activity component, which, which empowers and pays young people to plan events at least four times a night for young people to come to in their neighborhoods. And so neighborhood by neighborhood, ward by ward, there will be plenty of things for young people to do. The problem is, and this has been stated plenty and plenty of times, is that this city chooses to invest in violence. It chooses to invest in, in police who historically have not prevented crime. Um, so unfortunately, what's going to need to happen is a true investment in our communities because we know at the end of the day, communities have the answers. Young people have the answers. We keep each other safe. You know, it takes how long for a police officer to respond 
to, you know, an incident that happened. I heard a story on the news where, you know, two young people were getting jumped on, uh, you know, a bystander jumped in front of a cop car to try to stop it. And they drove past her and drove past the entire situation and, and then turned around and said, well, there's nothing we can do. What is it exactly that police want to do? Because everybody's saying they can't do their job. What exactly is their job? Is it to beat people? Is it to harass people? Is it to, uh, you know, arrest people with, with no clear cause? Um, it just doesn't make sense. So I think we need to be more clear around what it would look like for us to actually put more effort and put more money and not just talk and not just back into our communities and our young people. We need to show them that we invested in them. When they closed down our schools, they showed a clear disinvestment and a clear disinterest in young people as a whole, which made them feel like they weren't cared about. Um, Juju Brown, I wanna ask you about something and I will acknowledge that I have you know, been thinking about this obviously for the, for the years that we've been looking at all of these issues. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me that, you know, there's no one magic wand that even if it's, yes, disinvestment, but you can't change disinvestment. You can change the disinvestment, but you won't see the effects of it for years. Um, you can't wave a magic wand and have everything change. There's not one thing that people can do, but does it have to be a number of things? Do we also have to deal with the kind of rage that Asada Lewis talks about? Do we also have to deal with parental responsibility? Do we also have to deal with how police really police the communities? I mean, is it is it like 15 different things that all have to happen at the same time before we can have real success? So I think an important thing to understand is that everything that Asada, Mr. Bennett, and myself have been talking about has been how our communities have been treated based off a belief system of white supremacy, based off a belief system. We say values are beliefs that govern your behavior. What you believe is what you do. So remember earlier when Mr. Bennett was saying that budgets are a moral document. Budgets reflect a belief system. So if you set up a school system where children that, that, that look like Asada don't have art, don't have music, don't have world language, but they have metal detectors, Right. They 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 don't they don't get to understand that in Brazil, 85 percent of the people look just like them. And why? And the only reason that they speak Portuguese is because the people that stole them spoke Portuguese. It's like the only reason we're talking English is because the people that stole our ancestors spoke English, Went, that they could actually know that they're part of a global majority and that they're not a minority. That's called worldview. That's what happens when education is culturally relevant and responsive. So I believe. That. What we're experiencing is not just a singular issue, but a belief system that says we don't matter that's at play. That's why public housing was torn down and with no replacement. That's why schools were shut down when we noticed school closings does not improve education, but it was fun to us like it did. It was a lie. It was, it was, it was a big lie. That's why um, the police, the, instead of dealing with police conduct, the, the, the city of Chicago was paid over $500 million in family payouts, right, to put a Band-Aid on the wound. So we need a different belief system that informs policy, and it does it in two ways, Craig. One, is one we got to tie a tourniquet in it, right? And then two, we got to create some long-term pieces. So one, I think that there, there has to be 
a, a real effort to begin to talk to and listen to young people to understand what the real issues are and how can we start keeping our community safe and, and actually put resources behind those recommendations. Some of the recommendations that we've heard from young people is, you know, not only summer jobs, but year round employment, right? Having those opportunities. You know, I remember, and this is what I mean by belief system, Craig, and how budgets are moral documents. I remember, I believe it was 2010, and 39,000 young people applied for 10,000 summer jobs. 39,000 young people who wanted to work in one of the most wealthy cities in the world applied for only 10,000 summer jobs. That's a belief system. There's no belief in investing in those young people, so it wasn't reflected in the budget. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I think that we have to be honest about that. You know, uh, we have to be honest about uh, why we see what we see and not uh, not not retreat to the to the cowardly thing about that people often do just saying where their parents at. Yes, there's parental responsibility, but there's also these young people. We come from communities that have a particular condition. Right. And I'm going to have to stop it there because we are well out of time, but this has been one of the faster half hours that I've had on the air. Uh, but thank, thank all three of you. Uh, that was G2 Brown, National Director of the Journey for Justice Alliance. Also with us has been Asada Lewis uh, with Good Kids Mad City and Shannon Bennett, the head of Kenwood Oakland Community Organization. I thank all three of you for spending the time with us. Thank you. If if you'd like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website, wbbmnewsradio.com. There's a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcasts on odyssey.com. Uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, 105.9 WBBM. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 